0: Lift off. We have a lift off. Well, you know, it, it, it seems fitting today. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. It, it seems fitting. We we got to pull down the intro music here because I, I think today it's kind of fitting if, if this is our intro music for the day. Because we got to talk about the Space Force, baby. Mike Pence, yeah, I'm just going to go on and stop that now because it gets ridiculous with the old electronic 60s, 70s music. Nonetheless, Mike Pence goes to the Pentagon to announce Space Force. I was really hoping it would be Spaceballs, but nope, nope, nope. It's the the Space Force. We've already got Space Command, but they want Space Force. Uh, I, I want to explain to you. Uh, Why and uh, some Republicans raising objections. I I just want to take you through this and tell you uh, why the president wants this, why he thinks we need it. Interesting in, in light of the Democrats saying that the president is submissive to Russia, why the president wants this. There are some objections to it, even some from within the Republican Party in Congress. It will take an act of Congress to get something like this off the ground. I'll break that down for you. Now, listen, I I realize there are all sorts of Uranus jokes about uh, the Space Force. I'm not going to go there because I've got friends texting me those jokes right now. They're not appropriate for radio, folks. I'm talking about that planet past Jupiter. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just, I get several different reasons. They all think that they're unique, but they're all texting me these jokes. Okay. So here's why the president wants the Space Force. Uh, He believes we need a unified command. Right now, there are uh, space commands for the Army. There are space commands for the Air Force, space commands for the Marines as a subdivision of the Navy. There are uh, multiple space commands. The Air Force has priority control over over space right now for the United States military. The president believes we need to consolidate them all into one entity. The reason the president believes this is because it is a known fact that the Chinese and the Russians are right now probing our space defenses, satellites and other technologies we have orbiting the planet, uh, trying to take them out of commission should there be a war. It would be something they would want to do, something to target uh, target our satellites to take them out, our surveillance system. Even GPS satellites are at risk. The Chinese in particular have been developing laser technologies that can blind our satellites. Uh, They have allegedly also been uh, developing what they call satellite killers. Uh, There are some alleged sci-fi sounding plots of the Russians and the Chinese having things already in space that could target our satellites uh, for explosion or destruction of some kind or another. So the president has legitimate concerns about what the Russians and the Chinese in particular are doing in space. And are we doing enough? Now, here are the concerns that a number of conservatives in Congress and a lot of Democrats are raising. The Democrats are, of course, raising it because Donald Trump came up with it. If Barack Obama came up with Space Force, they would say it's the greatest thing ever. But Donald Trump came up with it, so of course they have to criticize it. Uh, What they're saying, though, and there are some legitimate complaints, but these legitimate complaints are being voiced more on the conservative side, is that if you get an expansion of the military to cover space, even though it is indisputed it would be the smallest branch of the military, what would come with it would be all of the uh, levels of bureaucracy, So you would have a civilian secretary of the Space Force. You would have um, undersecretaries of the Space Force. You would have deputy secretaries of the Space Force. You would have generals or admirals in charge of the Space Force. You would have lieutenants and, and on and on and on. You would have an entire bureaucracy within the Pentagon. You would have an entire bureaucracy within the military. And right now that bureaucracy exists inside the Air Force and in part with the Marines. And they work well and in conjunction with each other. Neither side uh, disputes this. In fact, the Air Force, for turf protection, largely is saying this is unneeded. But the Marines and the Army are also saying this really isn't needed because there is not yet a we're not going to send soldiers into space. What we're really talking about is satellite protection and possibly weaponizing space. And both of those things are already being, do- being done. What they all seem to say is that we do need a little bit more coordination, but they think that if we were to go on and expand the bureaucracy, we would actually wind up slowing things down. Right now, much like the Air Force, when it was part of the Army, was vastly more nimble and less bureaucratic and able to develop modern fighter jets before being spun off into its own um, force— that essentially the Air Force, the Navy, the Marines, the Army, they're all arguing that that's what's happening with the Space Force, and it's not grown large enough to warrant its own bureaucracy, although it could use some level of cooperation. The president, however, does want to go on and build that bureaucracy for it, thinking we need to get on out there and do this. It's running into resistance in Congress, even among Republicans, because of the cost and bureaucracy angle of it. And behind the scenes, I'm told that the... uh, Services within the military are pushing back very, very strongly against this idea, trying to slow it down. The vice president has announced the president would like to see it happen by 2020. Now, whether or not the president can actually get it done by 2020 is another item altogether. But look, you're going to have to go through the appropriations process for this. It's going to have to be specially legislated by Congress. They're doing it in an election year, and we've got a trillion-dollar deficit this year. So you've got Republicans even within Congress who are very hesitant to launch a new branch of the military right now. But man, can you imagine the recruiting campaign? It would be awesome. just got to say i think there could be a better name for space force i, I just I, I really do that being said the trump campaign has already started um sending out logo displays to their uh, to their email list encouraging people to vote for the best logo for space force and it is a heck of an email marketing campaign Uh, To be able to drag people into their email list to participate in that. A a very, very savvy uh, move by the Trump campaign to be able to do something like that. Now, there is a story out there. uh, It just bothers me. A BuzzFeed has this story. Uh, If your kids are in the car, well, it's okay. Uh, a, a baby was found in a bathroom on an American Airlines flight. Uh, the plane was being cleaned for service, so a worker noticed a lot of toilet paper in the toilet bowl section of the lavatory. It was at LaGuardia Airport. It had come from Charlotte, North Carolina. Here's the thing: uh, the the headline is a fetus was found. Y'all, notice what's happening here. It used to be commonly accepted that a child in utero was referred to as a fetus, but once removed from the the uterus, it was a baby by means of delivery or whatnot. This, this is... This is a media story, and we're starting to see more and more of these headlines. You just watch where a a dead infant is referred to as a fetus, and a dead child who the parents have accepted it as their child is referred to as a baby. And we're essentially watching the media shape these stories, and it's a... It's a troubling situation, I think, to see these things shape up uh, as the media spins these stories and uses terms to try to shape the conversation, particularly for the abortion agenda. Uh, They are playing the game Planned Parenthood wants them to play, and we are falling into these situations. And... I think we got to be very careful and pay attention to these things as the media tries to shape terminology. We're seeing it in other conversations as well around the country. It is Eric Erickson here, it is 39 after the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I have a fantastic opportunity for you if you shave. Now, it's not just for men, but, you know, it's a great, great deal from Harry's Razors. My wife hasn't stolen mine yet, but it's only a matter of time. Uh, Harry's Razors... They're not a shave club. Uh, They don't force you to subscribe. You can do auto refills if you want, but you can buy one off a la carte online. You can even go to Walmart. You can go to Target stores as well if you like. Uh, But you can get Harry's razors. And new customers right now get $5 off a shave set from Harry's with code ericsson at harrys.com. That means you get a starter set that comes with a five-blade razor, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and travel cover, all for just $3, 3 bucks, and free shipping. But you got to use my last name, Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, as your code at harrys.com. You will join millions of guys, myself included, who've already switched. You go to harrys.com today. You use code Erickson at checkout to claim your offer. Well worth it. And if you don't believe me, go to Target or Walmart and check out Harry's there. That's how popular they are. They're now in those stores. Y'all, is a school in Atlanta that is causing all sorts of controversy and i want to spend just a few moments on this it is an atlanta charter school and it has decided to stop saying the pledge of allegiance the atlanta neighborhood charter school and it's going to use a later class time during the day for students who want to say the pledge to say the pledge They've decided, for example, primarily that there are an increasing number of students who they don't want to stand for the pledge. They don't want to recite the pledge. So they've just decided to stop doing it. And this is a hugely controversial moved by the school. And I get the controversy. Uh, David Ralston, the Speaker of the House, has already weighed in on this, criticizing it. He says that uh, the Pledge of Allegiance speaks of America as one nation under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all. Seeing a taxpayer-funded school devalue those ideals is disappointing and disturbing. While I respect individual freedom of speech, I question the wisdom of administrators making our Pledge of Allegiance secondary to a school chant and rewriting our pledge. That's what they want to do. The the school wants to come up with a school chant or a school pledge and say that instead. I find it completely unbelievable that someone could have thought this was a good idea. I'm sure our House Education Committee will examine whether taxpayer funds should be used to instill such a divisive ideology into our students. Now, here's the thing. This seems, I know, to a lot of people, very, very simple. Force this taxpayer-funded school to say make their students say the pledge and i get that but we have charter schools to give parents choices in education because we don't like one size fits all by fiat education and i think those of us who support charter schools in school choice need to also recognize and understand That if we do this, we're going to get charter schools within school choice and whatnot that we don't necessarily see eye to eye with some of the things they do. And I think we have to allow them to do this. And if the school is unsuccessful, we can shut it down. But if it is successful, then we should let them be. And we don't know yet. So. I, it is a great campaign issue for republicans but he, and you know here's the ideal here's here's the funny part here is you've got a lot of liberals now saying well we should let this school do this but it's liberals in this country who really don't want schools to have choices. They want one-size-fits-all government-funded education. I mean, Stacey Abrams wants to go after the, the student scholarship program that allows poor kids into private schools in the state. They the Liberals in the state want one-size-fits-all education. And if you're going to have one-size-fits-all education, then you should be supporting uniformity when it comes to the pledge. And Public schools make kids do the pledge in the morning, so make this school do the pledge. I'm a conservative, and I think we give parents and students choices and allow them the choice to go to a school that doesn't say the pledge, even if it is taxpayer funded and see if it works. And if it doesn't close it down, but let's give them a chance and let's let each charter school have uniqueness in how it operates and behaves and see how they compete against each other. I'm down with letting them have flexibility here. There's no law that says they have to do this. If there is a law, then make them do it. And, Maybe there needs to be one. We'll see if the legislature wants to go that far. Now, um, let me give you guys some radar updates. Uh, From Alabama to South Carolina on I-20, you're wet. Uh, From the airport all the way up to Brazelton and Flowery Branch, up 85 and 985, you're wet. Uh, You are wet up 400 to coming, and you're clear. From basically the Brave Stadium all the way up 575. If you go up past Kennesaw on 75, you're going to get rain. you can get rain down 75 until about Locust Grove. And down 85 south of the airport, it's fairly clear until you get down to Grantville and in, in the Moreland area. So yeah, it's starting to thin out. The heaviest rain right now is over the 985-85 split and up 85 from the split to Brazelton. There's also very, very strong storms out in the Athens area for those of you going out there. If you're headed to Lake Country, if you're going on and start your weekend early, you're heading out to Lake Country, Lake Oconee and whatnot, Lake Sinclair, you got some strong storms in that area. So just be careful out there. Um, the strongest stuff, though, again, is in the Brazelton, uh, Sugar Hill, Rest Haven, Dekula, Lawrenceville area. And even that is starting to thin out. Uh, The worst of it is over along the South Carolina state line and up around the Tennessee, Georgia state line. Blue Ridge and LJ right now getting some very heavy rain, uh, but nothing super strong. That's my specific reading of the radar for you people stuck out there. Now, we got to move on to Brett Kavanaugh because the democrats as we get close to this hearing are beginning to politicize brett kavanaugh and they're politicizing it by claiming that this guy is too political why because he worked for george chipping mcbush hitler halliburton no i kid you not um that is that's what they're claiming that because he worked for george w bush he's too much of a political animal to be allowed on the supreme court they were perfectly happy for him to be on the dc court of appeals however having worked for George Bush. Y'all, I'm sorry. I hadn't wanted to give the phone number out much this evening because we have so much radar to check as well. I feel like I'm doing a disservice for you. I, I will try to open up more of the phones next hour, 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALK. I do want to let you in on, on what's happening on radar here to kind of give you some indication. There, There's a severe thunderstorm warning. It's out, right outside the listening area. Uh, Merriweather, Pike, in Upson County. That's down towards middle Georgia, south of Griffin. Um, now, that, that it doesn't impact us here, but it is a very strong line of thunderstorms, and they're sweeping across the middle part of the state. Um, They've gone through Macon. They're about to go back through Macon. The reason I bring that up with the heavy, heavy stuff through the south of the state is because there's more coming. And so we're going to see a little more as the rain starts to to fade out as the sun goes down. Don't get confident that it's gone. Uh, There's more working its way into the listing area. Stay with WSB, and we will bring you the latest. Right now in the listing area, the worst stuff. Is Oh, hang on a second. There is hail now in the Brazelton area right over I-20. We don't have a severe thunderstorm warning declared, but I can see the hail in the radar, actually. Uh, So if you are... um, Hang on a second. Let me get this. If you are... Uh, about five miles from Browse the, the mall of Georgia area right now, uh, and Chateau Lawn area, the, you've got hail, uh, in the clouds there and a lot of lightning. So it's headed towards the Hushden area. Be very careful out there if you're on the interstate, um. To the east of the 985 split all the way to Pendergrass, really, you've got really, really significant heavy storms. You've got hail in these clouds, so be careful out there. I wouldn't be surprised if they declare this a severe thunderstorm warning in a minute. They haven't yet, uh, but it's really strong. It's starting to thin out everywhere else, though, in the area. We'll be back with more on the Space Force. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB talk. Quick check of the radar. I-20 rain all the way from Alabama to South Carolina still. Um, from the from I-20 up 85 to Commerce, you've got rain now. You're fairly clear up 985. Uh, Once you get past the split, up 75, you've got rain north of Cartersville. Um, st- you've got rain around the. Uh, I keep. I always say the Brave Stadium because otherwise I'm going to say Turner Field. The Brave Stadium, the Battery, SunTrust Park. You got a little bit of rain there, then it clears out until you get up to Cartersville. Up 575, you are clear all the way up to Jasper, and then you start getting rain in that area. South side, uh, south of I-20 now. You don't have any rain until you get down to Noonan on 85 and down to Macon on 75. Uh, Otherwise, uh, some scattered showers. It's starting to thin out by and large until you get down to middle Georgia. There's a very strong band of thunderstorms. If you're headed down towards the Columbus area, go slow because right now it is miserable there. Y'all say a prayer for me. I got to take the kid to the Taylor Swift concert tomorrow. God help me. Now. Let's get into the news, shall we? We've got a lot of other stuff to talk about this evening. I want to begin because I got some questions about uh, uh something I said the other day about Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp, and I want to spend just a few minutes, if you will, on this race because the Democrats have a real problem in Georgia. I have talked to because I you know I do know these guys. We're 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 friendly. We go on TV together and whatnot. I know them. A lot of national Democratic consultants. I talked to some in Austin this past weekend who showed up for the resurgent gathering to see what it was all about. And the general consensus is that no national Democrats outside of the progressive wing of the party expect Stacey Abrams to win. In fact, some of them are a little bit nervous uh, about her because they think that she could hurt other people. The, The big prevailing concern here that you need to understand is that. Democrats, by and large, are trying to convince their donors that Texas and Georgia are eventually going to turn blue, but they need outside help, and they need outside help because the Georgia Democratic Party and the Texas Democratic Parties are not very strong entities financially or organizationally. Now, the Georgia Democratic Party is actually a little more competent than the Texas Democratic Party. But there's all this focus on Beto O'Rourke in Texas and Stacey Abrams in Georgia, both of them running very far-left campaigns. I mean, in Texas, Beto O'Rourke has come out against uh, immigration and Customs Enforcement. He's come out for illegal aliens, uh, being given citizenship. He's come out for amnesty. He's come out for gun confiscation, very similar to what Stacey Abrams is doing in Georgia. If you haven't paid attention to Stacey Abrams, she has uh, come out for very strict gun control of the state. She's come out for very strict um, she, very strict policies on education of the state, in, including cracking down on some charter schools and getting rid of the state-funded scholarship to allow minority kids into private schools. She's come out for expansive abortion rights. She's come out for illegal aliens getting the Hope Scholarship. Uh, lots and lots of progressive policies, and she's very o- open about them. And listen— you may not like Stacey Abrams' politics. I, I met her; she was an extremely likable person, um, very, very um, self-deprecating, which I always like when a politician's willing to make jokes about themselves because th- that means they're they're they've got some level of humility. Even if you disagree with them on politics, e- even if she is very much a progressive leftist, she at least has a sense of humor and she is a personable person. E- even though I think her politics or her, her public policy she supports are terrible. She's not stodgy. Uh, She campaigns well on the ground. But in all of this with her person, she is very tied to the idea that she needs to be honest with you. And I think all of us should commend her for that. She has been very open with the fact Democrats want her to moderate her tone on the campaign trail. And instead, she's trying to make sure every single person knows that she is as liberal as they come. She is a a very progressive candidate, very, very liberal social policies. And I think it's commendable she's not running away from that and trying to nuance that the way some Democrats want. But there is a reason that's not getting spoken of as to why this is happening. So here's the thing. The reason she is running so openly and avowedly as a leftist isn't just that's her nature, she's honest about it, but it's that She and other progressives are convinced if she does this and is able to get Georgia close, they know she's not going to win. But the Soros organizations and the other far left organizations out there will continue to invest in moving Georgia left. See, if um, I I forget what the percentage of the vote is. Hang on a second. I want to look this up. Um, Because I think this is important for us to lay a benchmark down here. Because Jason Carter, um, you can, Jason Carter and Nathan Deal. Jason Carter and Nathan Deal, objectively, Jason Carter was a fairly moderate Democrat. He was what a lot of Democrats wish Stacey Abrams was. And Nathan Deal won it 52.8 to 44.8. 52.8 to 44.8. So let's say Stacey Abrams matches Jason Carter, 44.8. The spin from the Democrats on this is not going to be that Georgia has not advanced at all to the left. The spin is going to be that as much as Stacey Abrams turned off moderate voters, she gained enough voters on the far left to match Jason Carter. So what they're going to argue then is that if you had a, a more moderate Democrat run next time, they'll be able to get the progressives who Stacey Abrams has brought into the party along with these moderate democrats and next time it'll be 5149 or so now keep in mind there though and this is this is important that um, you've got you got a situation here where you're going to have let's see you, you had yeah you had a libertarian andrew hunt got 2.36% of the vote now those people may never vote republican as well but you got to keep in mind that you did still have um, roughly 2.4% of the vote go for a third party. And you still had this this seven-point spread between Deal and Carter. So if Stacey Abrams gets a seven-point spread, see, the Democrats are going to argue that Abrams lost moderate Democrats. They're not going to argue that she held on to these moderates. If she gets the exact same percentage of... Vote as Jason Carter, they're going to say that she brought in new, more progressive voters, that she turned off some moderates. But he, it, see, they can't argue that the Democratic Party has not expanded at all. Because if they argue that the Democratic Party has not expanded at all, if she were to match Jason Carter's percentage, then it would be a complete failure of the Democratic investors trying to move the state to the left. But if they can argue that even though she was radically progressive and turned off some voters, she still matched Jason Carter by bringing out new progressives, well, then they've got reason to keep investing in Georgia and keep moving Georgia to the left. That's what all this is about. That's what the, the campaigning with Linda Sarsour is about. That's what uh, – oh, and there's there's a problem by campaigning with Sarsour. There, there's new line of attack on Abrams. I think it's kind of a silly one, but I'll tell you what it is when we come back. But as long as she does these things, campaigning with Linda Sarsour, um, attacking the police, attacking ICE agents, championing uh, illegal aliens, getting the Hope Scholarship and all that, as long as she can hold Jason Carter's percentage of the vote, 44.8%, 4489 if we want to be precise then they can say, well, no, on paper we didn't advance from Jason Carter, but we know we turned off some moderates, and yet we still held that percentage point, which means we've grown the progressive base in Georgia. So George Soros keep writing checks to turn Georgia to the left. That's the entire rationale for this uh, on on in-your-nose, in-your-face progressivism by the campaign. It is entirely designed not to win Georgia but to convince third-party Democratic groups to continue fundraising for Georgia and continue pouring money into Georgia. There's a catch, though, and it is a bothersome catch for a lot of Democrats nationwide, not just about Abrams, but about Beto O'Rourke as well. It's 27 after the hour, the phone number 404 750 1800 WSB Talk, Gary in Locust Grove. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing okay, Eric. What's going on? I had a question about the national debt. I always take a second every day and look at the U.S. debt clock. Uh-huh. It is now sitting at $24.8 trillion. Uh-huh. That's up $3 trillion in eight hours. Now, I have noticed that... What's well, hang on a second. I, I got mine pulled up right now, and it says it's at, at uh six hundred to $700,000. Yeah, I check it at five forty five. dollars I even took a picture of it, but I'm not sure where that came from. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 uh, and you know according to the 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 treasury I'm looking right now it, it is it, it's 21 trillion right now. It, it's not 24. Uh, it should it is expected to be 24 trillion dollars uh, by the end of the Trump administration, um, and it could actually jump to 25 if they don't do something about this year's deficit. Now I do have a question about the tax cut. Uh huh. When, whenever they hit, I was reading something on a conservative site and. I forget which one it was, but they're expecting an additional almost two trillion by the end of the year. An additional two trillion what? Two trillion in debt. Yeah, so now there's a catch there on that because of the tax cut, and it has to do with whether or not you view the tax cuts as static or dynamic. The Republicans view it as dynamic, meaning that it'll generate more economic income, therefore generating more taxes. Democrats view it as static, meaning it's a, a net negative, and they don't factor in the economic explosion that happens because of it. Still got rain in the listening area, mostly now on the east of I-75 but and north of I-20. It's starting to really thin out. There's more rain in Alabama, though, but it looks like now it's shifted and mostly we'll just get middle Georgia. And the listening area should be fine for the rest of the evening, but stick around, WSB. Uh, you know, th- there were storms this morning as well. My wife wanted to... Uh, be in the Patriot Guard ride for the Korean War um, soldier whose remains were returned. His body had come home uh, almost a decade ago, and it took forever to identify his remains. It turns out he's from Toccoa, Georgia, and will be buried uh, on, or was buried today on his birthday. My wife wanted to be in the Patriot Guard ride, Uh, you know, so my wife has a Harley, if you didn't know. She's got a fat boy. And loves to ride, but she didn't want to ride in the storms, and there wasn't anybody here going with her. They had to meet at the airport at Cargo and then go to Tacoma. and so she wound up not going, and I'm glad she didn't with the storms. Uh, just a, just a mystery. That's a fascinating story though. That hasn't, it's gotten a little bit of national coverage should probably get more this. This is a body that the, the remains were agreed to be returned years ago. Uh, the United Nations brought them back uh, a long time ago. It's not this current batch that has come back, uh, but it took forever to do IDs on the bodies. And his has been identified and returned home. Still has family in the Toccoa area. Uh, just fascinating what what folks do, y'all. I want to spend a moment talking about something that I rarely ever talk about unless they get uh, not so political, and that's the Oscars. Have you heard about what they're going to do? It used to be that the best movie at the Oscars was a really popular movie. I mean, if you go through the list of Academy Award-winning movies, um, best picture winners. Academy Awards, I, let's see. Let me run you through the list of some of these movies uh, because it's it's worth noting that it used to actually be a list of some of the more popular movies. Um, you had, let's see, All Quiet on the Western Front in, in 1929, 1930. It Happened One Night, Mutiny on the Bounty, The Great Ziegfeld, uh, You Can't Take It With You, Gone With the Wind, How Green Was My Valley, Mrs. Minifer, Casablanca. Um, Let's see, Gentleman's Agreement was in there, All the King's Men, All About Eve, An American in Paris, The Greatest Show on Earth, From Here to Eternity, On the Waterfront, uh, Around the World in 80 Days, The Bridge on the River Kwai, one of my favorite movies, Ben-Hur, On and On You, Lawrence of Arabia, My Fair Lady, The Sound of Music, A Man for All Seasons, The Heat of the Night, Patton, my absolute favorite movie, The Godfather, The Godfather Part Two. One Flew Over the Cocos Nest, Rocky, Kramer versus Kramer, and on it went. And then you start getting into, well, the 90s. Uh, And you even then have Dances with Wolves, Silence of the Lambs, Unforgiven, Schindler's List, Forrest Gump, Braveheart. Then you start getting, well, American Beauty, and Million Dollar Baby, and Crash, and... No Country for Old Men was good, Um, but it just, it seems like more and more you get these best movie pictures that are all really artsy, weird movies. I mean, my goodness, this past year, the, The Shape of Water was about a woman who gets it on with a fish, basically. And then you had the spotlight and moonlight, and it's got to end in light to get it. And it's ridiculous. And it shuts out really good movies. I mean, consider The Dark Knight, widely hailed as one of the best, well, of the best superhero movies and one of the best movies, if not the best movie released the year it came out and it was completely rejected and it gave rise to needing to add nominations. Yeah, that year, it was Slumdog Millionaire, The Case for Benjamin Button, Frost, Nixon, Milk, and The Reader, where the nominees shut out The Dark Knight. And so they expanded the number of movies to be nominated, and then they consistently rejected some of the best movies. Like in 2009, they nominated Up and Up in the Air and District 9 and The Blind Side, and yet they gave it to The Hurt Locker. So now they've decided to do a popular movie category, which is what the best picture nominee should be. And the left wing reaction to this has been hysterical because of one movie. The left, led by Mark Hamill, that would be Luke Skywalker, um says Black Panther, you know Black Panther. Black Panther has a real shot at a nomination for a best picture. And so now it's going to get thrown into the into the popular movie category. So Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself, says now that a a movie by a black director about a black subject matter with an all black cast is on the verge of getting best picture, they've decided to do a separate but equal category. (laughs) Yes, yes, this is all about Black Panther. You see, Hollywood wants to give Black Panther an award. They are desperate to give Black Panther an award. And they're scared that the <laughs> Lily White Academy of Hollywood won't give Black Panther best picture, even though they're covered in white guilt, they won't do it. So they created this new category to ensure it gets an award and now they'll say, separate but equal! This is unconstitutional! You can't do... And now, of course, they're saying it's a conspiracy because Disney owns ABC. ABC runs the Oscars, and so they wanted a category to ensure that Marvel wins every year. Because Marvel's owned by Disney. You can't make these people... It's, folks, eventually the revolutionaries consume themselves. I mean, they they start killing each other. This is crazy, but, uh, you know, Thoreau, they, they, we don't need a popular picture that's what the best picture should be but the hollywood liberals can't help themselves they have to give that award now to anti-republican anti-conservative anti-christian anti-military movies it used to be about giving it to a good movie but not anymore it's got to be a message movie that makes liberals feel good about themselves which by the way should be black panther which is also a really good movie but no 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 Hollywood liberals decided they needed to go the separate but equal route to make sure. Well, wouldn't it be hilarious if they did the popular picture category and Black Panther lost? (laughs) Wow. You would have like riots in Hollywood. That would really be hysterical. But it's a great movie. Um, I really liked Black Panther. I really did. I thought it was one of the better Marvel movies. Uh, did a good job with it, but still, it is hilarious how these the liberals are consuming themselves over this. All for a Marvel movie, when everyone in Hollywood really thinks Marvel is just too cookie-cutter these days, with the exception of that one movie. It is 55 after the hour. I told you people this would happen, and I mean that lovingly, you people. Alex Jones apparently has boosted his subscriber count by 5 million people after the bans. Uh, According to the Washington Post, Infowars, the app for Alex Jones' platform, uh, is now the number one trending app on Google Play and iTunes. InfoWars Official, an app that lets viewers stream Jones' shows and read news of the day, was ranked third among trending apps on Thursday, and the third slot for free apps on the Apple Store, and then later went to number one. Um, First behind Twitter and Newsbreak, a local breaking news service, and then shot up to first place. Of course that was going to happen. There is this, this... issue i think that occurs in the world where when platforms like uh itunes facebook google and the like when they ban someone and they do it publicly and it generates a lot of conversation uh curious people go out in search of that thinking why are these people trying to hide this from me surely there must be something there they don't want me to know It's like all the people who peddle the cancer conspiracies, that cancer could be killed long ago. If you only, if you read this, you would know. My wife gets these all the time, these cancer conspiracy theorists, um, that the government's hiding the cure from cancer. And you need to go to these certain websites and find out that they don't want you to know. It's just crazy.